Hey folks, this is Off Leash with Eric Prince. I'm Mark Serrano coming to you from CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference 2024 in suburban Washington, D.C. Eric, there's a lot of electricity in the room and energy here at CPAC. This is the conservative movement's mecca and pilgrimage. You are a board member, a new board member, for a CPAC. I was honored to join the board this time, yes. Awesome, awesome. Well, look, CPAC is alive and well and uh, and plays a really busier than ever. A critical role and platform for a lot of candidates, a lot of political leaders, and really no more important CPAC than this one as we head into a fall campaign after this. It is. It's going to be a wild and woolly election year and a very dangerous one for Western civilization. Yeah. Hell yeah. So anyway, this is this is really kind of the first uh, on-site location that Off Leash has done, so that's kind of fun. Um, but here's the deal. You explained to me that you met with a group of conservative leaders, and they wanted from you a round-the-world briefing. So I wanted to, to recreate that here. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, I did something over dinner last night, and I and I hate to be such a downer, but there's just a lot of bad things going on in the world. I was, I was actually just in Israel last weekend, um, visited with some folks that are trying to solve it, and and they have a. A big problem because the IDF cleared out the north of Gaza, right. but now they have an enormous amount of, of refugees and, and, and are still residents uh, at the southern end of Gaza while the Hamas guys are hanging out in tunnels underneath, uh, really Im- impairing uh, the IDF's ability to get after the terrorists without hurting but a lot of civilians. This is really kind of inevitable. If you clear out the north of Gaza, right, you're just going to be consolidating yeah. everything. Again, I wish they'd followed my, my suggestion about just flooding everything underground. It would have at least taken away the tunnels and, and flushed the, uh, the Hamas guys into the open. They haven't done that now, so I think there's some efforts to move and to build some refugee facilities so that the civilian people can leave and not be subject to uh, any kind of a combat operation. But it's that's difficult, it's slow, and, and the Gaza thing is not going to be resolved anytime soon. And it's kind of a race also because, a, a race to get something done to protect those people because a typhoid outbreak or any disease is gonna, is gonna unnecessarily hurt a lot of uh, Gaza civilians. The knock-on effects in the area is, is, is compounding. The IDF is not as ready, I don't think, as they as they should be right. uh, to deal with a Lebanon threat. You know, you, you think about some of the rockets that got through and hurt infrastructure when Hamas was firing. Right. There's 20 to 30 times that number of rockets staged in Lebanon, in, in bunkers, hidden areas, all the rest. They have built extensive tunnels in the rock uh, in Lebanon. Not to mention the Iranians have actually parked Hazaras, which is a Shia population from Afghanistan that they've hired and trained and moved so that they have Hezbollah on the Lebanon border, Hazaras and other Shia proxies on the Syrian border, all threatening Israel. And if things clack off to a to a fight, the, I'm, I'm confident the Iranians have learned the drone war lessons that the Russians learned right. in Ukraine. And I'm not sure that these if the Israelis are is up to speed on those things, it's um, I'm worried, but more worried. You know, the the Houthis in Yemen um, have gone from being a ragtag bunch of guys that were attacking the Emiratis and the Saudis uh, back, you know, eight and ten years ago. Now you have uh, they've basically been equipped as long-range pirates by the Iranians. They're shooting 
hundreds of uh, kamikaze drones, uh, ballistic missiles, I mean, actually ballistic anti-ship missiles and anti-ship cruise missiles at Again, U.S. Vessels. commercial, commercial... And U.S. warships. There's one, there's one ship that's fired, it's in, it's fired 40 to 50 missiles. Okay, imagine $100 million worth of missiles alone from one ship. Uh, they have sunk multiple vessels. I just think just three days ago, they sunk a British commercial vessel. Terrible image of that sucker going. Fortunately, the crew got off. But this, the, so the knock-on effects of this, for 70, 80 years, we've had this Pax Americana that America kind of controlled the seas and the sea lanes. And so just-in-time shipping and reliable cargo delivery at low cost was available. That has ended now. So commerce is now getting jumped, gummed up. Yes. So in the middle of this conflict, based on piracy, almost 50% of the world's container traffic went through uh, the Babel Mandab, the waterway right off of Yemen, and now that's having to be redirected all the way around the southern tip of Africa. But what does that mean? Even worse, the ship traffic that would normally go through the Suez Canal. That traffic represents 40% of Egypt's economy, 40% of their GDP. Was the tolls from that? That was money that was used to buy bread, to and it's an, bread. an impoverished population to yes. begin with. And so, you're, you're, sadly, you're one bullet away of an uprising against right. Sisi, right? And you have a very prevalent Muslim Brotherhood. And that's the Iranian objective: is get everybody to have to engage, right? Put get the pressure engage, on all of them, or tip over reasonable, friendly governments. Egypt's a reasonable, friendly government now, but if they get, if Sisi gets ousted. It's a disaster. So it is a super disaster, and an even bigger disaster for Israel because you have an enormous Egyptian army with a population that's somewhat with a somewhat predilection towards Muslim Brotherhood um, support, and uh, it's it's a very very dangerous time. So the the Houthi problem must be fixed, and it's only going to get fixed by boots on the ground that go and put the Houthis in their place. And I don't see the Biden administration sending the Marine Corps in, in Yemen. In Yemen. The Saudis are not going to send troops. The Emiratis are not going to send troops. The last time they used a lot of Sudanese, clearly not the answer. So I would direct our listeners to read The War That Never Was. It's about how Yemen, the Yemen war was solved in the 60s when Egypt invaded, deposed the monarch, and so the... If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. British government was upset, the Saudi government was upset, and they ended up hiring David Sterling, who is the founder of the SAS, with a private military company, armed by the Israelis, and that's what resolved it. But they used intelligence. Intelligence and the right people, greatest advantage. The, right, the right people with the right know-how how to fight, to apply real pressure on the Egyptians to drive them out. So much so that David Sterling actually received an award from the IDF for pinning down so many troops that helped them win the 67 war. Incredible. So again, I'm not trying to make a, a commercial for contracted forces solving this, but that's about the only option. It's, it's, the, it's the last way this is going to get solved. So, all right, so this first chapter of our Around the World Tour, you've got pressure on Israel especially from Gaza, from Lebanon, 
from the Houthis in the Red Sea, right? Egypt is now in the crosshairs. Yep. Take us to Iraq and, and Syria. Syria. They, and, they, and they have how, multiple is, fronts. Like, like we we had three service members killed at the, at the at, at, at a base, base in Jordan. Yep. In Jordan. Then we we did airstrikes around here and there, Syria and Iraq. All meaningless. No Those were show effects. They were, they were hitting empty warehouses because the Biden administration telegraphed that they were going to respond. It allowed so because they don't want to they don't want to trigger the tiger of Iran. Correct. Yes. Which so, is so absurd. for all the blood and treasure we've spent in Iraq, Iran has fully subjugated the Iraqi people. How did they do that? Back in 2004, uh, I was actually approached by the head of the Iraqi intel service saying, we're seeing all this evidence of Iranian surrogates putting their hooks in like, the Lebanon, like they did with Hezbollah right. in Lebanon. And at that point, the Iraqis wanted to stop it. It was going to be funded by the agency by the CIA, blocked by Condoleezza Rice. Because they could see the manipulation that Iran yeah, was perpetrating they wanted, already they wanted, after the Iraq war. They wanted to cut the tentacles before they started. Right. Iraq has their, the Iran has their tentacles fully into the Iraqi state, to the point of they have something called the Popular Mobilization Units, in Arabic called the Hashtashabi, which is paid by the Iraqi government, led by Iranian officers using American weapons. 250,000 man unit in Iraq, just like Lebanese uh, Hezbollah. So most of the attacks that were coming against US bases in Iraq, and the ones that killed the Americans at the base in Jordan, were launched inside of Iraq by these Iranian surrogates. So, so, so when, what's is gonna happen is, uh, this Iranian pressure through its, its um, proxies is gonna drive the US out of Iraq. All right, so. Look, the Iranians want to do a full-on Shia crescent, so you can go. They can go seamless across from from Iraq, from from Iran, through Iraq to Syria to Lebanon to pressurize their main enemy. Right. So, all right, you conducted this round-the-world briefing. Obviously, we're in the Middle East. Just let's let's exit this portion of the tour on Lebanon because it seems to me that Iran is poised to act from Lebanon in a way that maybe. Uh, uh, Gaza and, and Hamas are paled in comparison to what can be launched out of Lebanon. That's correct. Why, are, why hasn't it happened yet? And what would what could prompt it to happen? Uh, I think they will wait towards uh, they will wait until there's significant conflict in the South China Sea or other uh, or other surprises that they would roll out uh, elsewhere in the world. Uh, or even wait till they till they destabilize and tip over the Egyptian government. So okay, the, no, the, right, the, so spell the, out, tip over the Egyptian governor government. Spell that out for me. What is the consequence of doing so? So, when the Arab Spring happened, when Hazi Mubarak was ousted, a guy named Mohammed Morsi took over, who is an absolute Muslim Brotherhood guy, the Ikhwan. So Ayman Zawahiri was an Egyptian doctor, right. founder of the Muslim Brotherhood. Right. And, and the founder of Al Qaeda. Okay, so 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 the Brotherhood that, that and Al Qaeda are one of the same, interchangeable. Absolutely, that is the mentality. So Morsi, the Muslim Brotherhood guy, takes over after uh, Mubarak, Mubarak is, is ousted, and the only reason Sisi took power is because he found out that Morsi was going to kill him. <laughs> he was like, "Well, game on! I gotta so, I gotta kill move him now. before he kills me." Exactly. And that's the only reason CC is in power. Otherwise, there's a huge undercurrent of Muslim Brotherhood 
presence and interest and support in Egypt. And if that comes to the surface and takes power with that much military at the time of the, of the problems in Gaza for the Palestinians, then I can see a, a, a timed attack, much like the 73, when Syria and Egypt came at, at Israel at the same time. So Sisi is not beholden to the Ayatollah, to the Mullahs in Iran, correct? Sisi, not at all. Not at all. No, no. He's a moderate, and, and they need to change that. That's part of their objective. Right? Absolutely, and that okay. allows them to control another seaway, another huge choke point. Okay, so that's... So pressure on Egypt, is that the first priority of the blockage of, of uh, the blockade of the Red Sea with the Houthis? Uh, yes. The first priority. So, so last week, the Egyptian currency devalued over 25%. So it's hurting them economically. It's going to put more people back on the streets and protesting, and it's going to be bad. The Iranians are already sponsoring street protests in Bahrain, where you have a Sunni king with a significant Shia population. And so that's another place the Iranians are going to try to tip over. And I can see that happening late spring, uh, sometime summer. So it is a, it is a... <laughs> so mission chaos. Mission chaos right? is working for the Iranians. And Shia overthrows. Yes. In Shia, Egypt, Shia, Bahrain. In Bahrain, Shia, in, in Egypt, uh, very radical Sunni Muslim right. Brotherhood. I got so, it. All right, so that's this segment of the world tour from Eric Prince that he provided in a briefing to major conservative leaders here at CPAC. We just covered the broader Middle East and what Iran is doing to create mission chaos. We're going to go to another part of the, or to the world in another segment right after this on Off Leash with Eric Prince. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.